Go ahead and find the book of Isaiah. Great to see each of you here tonight. Thank you for coming back out on a beautiful, beautiful Sunday evening. All right, book of, book of Isaiah. Uh, and this is a bit of a continuation from two weeks ago message. Let me just catch you up real quickly, and then we'll move on tonight. Isaiah 45, verses 5 and 6, it says this. It says, I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. We serve a unique God. We serve the only God. There are many little g gods, but there is only one real God, and that is the God that we serve. And so we looked a few weeks ago asking the question, what is it that makes God unique? What are the the features that separate the one true God from the many false gods? And if you'll recall, we looked at Isaiah 64, the verse says, from, uh, from old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts or who works for those who wait on him. A God who works on our behalf. We trust in him and he moves and he acts and he does and he works on our behalf. You see, in the world that we live, religion always turns into what I can do, but true Christianity that follows Jesus is about what Christ has already done. Religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, but Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus allows you to see. Religion is man searching for God, but Christianity is God searching for man. Religion is based upon the works of man, but Christianity is based upon the work of God. As Christians, as believers, we have much to celebrate. And so flip over, let's move on tonight, flip over to Isaiah 46. I think you're in chapter 45, flip over to 46. Let me show you a few more principles tonight. Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 1. It says, Bell bows down, Nebo stoops, their idols are on beast and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together, they cannot save the burden, but they themselves go into captivity. Now you need to realize that Bell and Nebo, they are Babylonian guides. They're Babylonian guides, but what you'll see is that these guides have to be carried. They don't carry those who worship them, but they must be carried. And so they put the burden on their worshipers. And so they depend on others to carry them. Baal and Nebo, they load their idol gods, there are these, these images, and they get put on these ox carts and they get pushed around. And it is the worshipers who have to save the guides. It is Bel and Nebo who cry out and they need from their worshipers. And they put a burden on those who wish to worship them. And you say, well, okay, that's all good, but I don't know if you realize this, 
We don't have these type of guides, right? We don't have these, these images. Well, some do. I, I went to the donut shop this morning and uh, went through like every morning getting donuts for all of you. And on the counter, there's this little guide. Some of you have been to the donut shop and there's this, I don't know what she means, but there's this, this lady and she's got her hand out like this and her head moves back and forth. And so in this donut shop, there's an actual pagan guide and they believe that brings them good luck. Maybe it brings them wealth and success and prosperity. And I'm just glad that my God doesn't fit on that little counter. But we do see some of that. But for the most part, that is not the world that we live in. But in the current world that we live in, there are a whole host of gods that are putting a burden upon us. I'm talking about the things that have come to replace God in our society. And I want to remind you, there are many of them. In your life, it could be a job. It could be a job has become your God, and this is what you live for. This is what drives you. This is what motivates you. It could be a house. It could be a car. It could be a new bass boat. It could be a relationship that you have with another individual. It could be, like we talked about this morning, it could be your self-image. And what you live for, what drives you, is how you look on the outside. These are things that give us our identity. These are the things that give us our meaning. These are the things that drive us and that push us. These are the things in life that we believe makes us a winner instead of a loser. And so what do we do? We push and we work and we strive to be successful and we strive to have more money and more things and more accumulations and so we say more 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 these are the things that give me my sense of identity and so I must have more and I must have more <coughs> and I must have more the problem is when we have these guides they lead to breakdown and they lead to lead to burnout I'll give you an example of that I remember when I was 16 y'all remember back when you were turning 16 some of you, I mean, it's a long time for some of us, I, I get that. But I remember, see, my parents did not, many parents buy their kids cars. My parents wouldn't do that. My, my parents always said, my dad would say, whatever you have saved when you turn 16, I'll match it. You can go buy you something yourself. And so I remember the summers before, man, I would be working. I'd be saving money. And finally, I, I don't know if I had two or $3,000, I mean big money, you know, and go to dad and it's 16th birthday and he's got to match that. So now I've got around $6,000 and it is burning a whole in my pocket and I cannot wait I'm going to all the car dealerships I'm in the thrifty nickel I'm on Craigslist I am looking around trying to find the perfect vehicle and finally I find it it is a 1998 single cab Dodge Ram pickup two-tone green on the top beige on the bottom had 118,000 miles on it but man when I saw that truck I knew that is the truck for me and so I get that and we go and we look at it and it was it was around I don't know eighty five hundred dollars or so a little out of my out of my budget so I ended up getting a little loan from my grandparents and say I'm gonna pay you back it was hundred and forty one dollars a month I remember writing that check I can I can make this payment and so got that that uh, truck and 
Man, to me it was beautiful, but honestly, the paint was peeling off the top of it. The hood had these, these spots that the paint was getting real thin. Oh, but I love that truck. And so I take it home, and every weekend, you know what I did every weekend? I'd wash that truck. Then after I washed it, I had this spray wax, and I'd spray this, Brittany remembers, I'd spray this wax on it, and I'd wipe it down, and that old truck would, I mean, it was, it was a chick magnet. That's just, it really, it's what it was. <laughs> and so we'd go around in that truck, and in this day, see today the, the trucks are fancy, they got these bucket seats, but in that day you had the bench seat across the front, right? And so you, you pull up the little, little deal here, and Brittany would slide in and sit right next to me. I remember those days. And then we'd just go, I mean, we'd go around town, and I'd make sure it was clean. I mean, oh, it was, it was nice, except for every weekend I felt the need to keep it clean, you know. I mean, I couldn't go out and have fun because I had to go wash my truck because it's Saturday again, and I, I'd get off work, and I'd go in, and I'd have to clean my truck up. And it was just the start of an entire lifetime of taking care of junk. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've got a lot of junk, and with all this junk, there's got to be upkeep. And so you get more cars, and then you find you're changing the oil and the filters and all this stuff every time you turn around. You've got a home, and the home needs a new roof. It needs new paint. The kid, Max, the other day, he threw a ball in the house, and a pitcher fell down and scratched the wall up. Got to go in. Ah, that makes me so mad. You know what I'm talking about, though? There's all this, <coughs> there's all this stuff that happens, and you get more, and you get more, and you say, man, I'm going to be a winner. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to have a, a car, and I'm going to have a nice house. I'm going to have all these things and another car and all this. And then you find that it's, it, you think it gives you your value and your identity, but all it does is it drives you. All it does is it's a whip that just keeps you going and says, now you've got to do this. Now you've got to do this. Now you've got to do this. But you find so much value in it. You keep pushing. You keep pushing. But for some of us in here, we've got so much stuff that we're just burned out all the time. We've got so much stuff that's fighting for our attention. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's hobbies. Maybe it's junk that we've got at home. But we're just worn out. Anybody else? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes that's how I feel. Yesterday was like the first Saturday in a long time that we had just to, just to relax at home. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, I miss these days. But I'm just like you. I mean, we're just busy. There's always something to do, something to go to, something to run, something to fix, something to maintain. And I believe this. I believe as long as we live for all this stuff around us, we're going to be worn out in life. And so we follow these gods and this, this bell and this Nevo, and because of it, we're stressed out, we're overworked, and we're maxed out on all sides. There's no satisfaction. There's no contentment. I remember when I got that, that truck, I thought, I'm going to be content. But then I got it, and I said, I need a new CD player in this truck. So there goes the next paycheck. I need one of those fancy grill guards on the front of this truck. I put all my money into it. There's no contentment. And we see that in life. There's always more that you need. There's always something else that you've got to get. And then you think, I'm going to be content. But when you get it, it doesn't make you content and you need something else. And the cycle just keeps on continuing throughout our entire life. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And you say, well, Case, what is the alternative? Well, let's keep looking. Look at the next verse. It says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age. Listen, I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. 
I have made and I will bear, I will carry, and I will save. Oh, if you don't see it, there's a total transformation. Bell and Nebo, they, they yell out with their loud voice and they say, carry me, carry me. They're going to take me to captivity, come and save me. But the God that we serve says, no, 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 you listen to me. You have nothing that I need. I will be the one who carries you. I don't depend on you. I don't need anything that you have. You have nothing to offer to me. Let me be the one who carries you. Let me be the one who bears the burdens of your life. Let me be the one who saves you. He is the guide, like we saw two weeks ago, who works for those who wait upon him. Jesus says it like this. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The uniqueness of God in the Bible shows that he exalts himself to work for us rather than exalting himself and demanding that we work for him. And so Isaiah had this answer over 2,500 years ago, and it's the same answer for you and for me today. It is that we must stop carrying these things and let the one who is in fact in charge carry us. And what that means is this. It means that we are willing to entrust ourselves to him. You see, what it means is that we let go of control, and for some of us, that's really tough. Some of us would say, God, you're in control, but, but not really. Let me have that back. Right? And so he says, if you're going to do this, if you're going to trust me, if you're going to wait upon me, if you're going to depend upon me, it means that you get your meaning, you get your purpose, you get your identity, and you get your fulfillment from me. And oh, if just in the church we could understand that. Now, I'm not even talking about the world. I'm talking about just in here, just the Sunday night crowd. If we could understand that our fulfillment in life and our identity comes through him. And it doesn't come through what we have in the bank. And it doesn't come through what we look like on the outside. And it doesn't matter what kind of vehicle you drive outside. Or what kind of home you live in when you drive home in a little while. That, that's not who you are. Who you are is so much greater. Who you are because of the Lord who has called you and lives inside of you. I think we're afraid, and we may not say it, but we're afraid that God will do a worse job of directing our lives than we will. That's a bold statement. I don't think we would say that, but I think that's why we don't let go. God, if I really trust you, I'm not sure you're going to do as good of a job in my life as I am. And so because of that, we hold on, and we hold on tightly. But remember, from old, no one's heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait upon him. How do we wait upon God? What does it mean to wait? It implies that there is trouble because it says in Isaiah 31, 1, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. So they're in trouble. Look at what they do. For they rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. It, it, you find this, this trouble. And in Isaiah, they find this trouble. And where do they run to? They run to strong horses. And they run, run to strong chariots. 
and they run to strong men. Here's a question. You want to know, am I waiting upon God? Am I trusting in God? Where do you go when life gets tough? Every one of us, life gets tough at times, doesn't it? Where do you run? Where's your first inclination to go to in the moment when life is just difficult? Do you run into the presence of God? Say, Lord, I I need you. I really need you. Or do you run to the phone for a friend? Do you trust God? Do you depend upon God? Do you rely upon God? Or do you go somewhere else? It goes on, and there are times that once we, we hear from God, we do nothing. It says in Isaiah 30, it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust you shall find your strength. But you are unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. He says, you didn't rely upon me. You didn't wait upon me. You try to take matter in your own hands. And because of that, they're going to come at you, and they're going to be fast behind you. I'll just be honest. I struggle with that in my life. When I've got a problem and I've got a decision, I'm so analytical, I can get a checklist out, and I can begin to list these things down and say, I've got a good plan. I've got a good direction right here. This sounds good. And I believe the Lord says, you do it your way and see what happens. Sometimes we just need to not do anything. The most spiritual thing that we can do sometimes if we are unsure is not to rush into it, is not to get on our horses and ride away and say, I'm going to be a man or a woman of action. Sometimes we need to just wait. And it said in this verse, if you'll just wait on me, then I'm going to save you. If you'll just depend on me, let me do the work and I will save you. Now, let's close up with this. Flip over to Psalm 50. Some of you are saying, we've been walking through the Psalms, but where's the Psalm? Well, I'm about to show you. We're going to end with it. Psalm chapter 50. I'm going the wrong way for Psalms. There we go. It's this way. Psalm chapter 50, and begin looking there in verse 8. It says this. It says, not for your sacrifices... Do I rebuke you? Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls and drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now I just want to show you a couple things real quick out of this. I know we've got a business meeting coming so it's going to be really quick. Number one is this. God does not need you isn't that good and simple God does not need you look look back at it not for your sacrifice I don't need your sacrifice 
Uh, I will not accept a bull from your house. See, the thought is this. The thought is that God is demanding this from us. God needs this. And so let me do this. Let me go to God. Let me run to God. Let me make my sacrifice so I can appease God. And then I can go back to my life and do whatever I want to do. And God says, look, I see your sacrifices. There's many of them, but they are not pleasing to me. And so I will not accept your sacrifice. In other words, I don't need you. I don't need your sacrifice. And for some of us, that's what we do in church. For many believers, that is the whole church experience. Let me run to the church and let me appease God. Because if I can run to church Sunday morning and I can be in my spot, then I will please God. And then I can go through the rest of my week just like I want to go through it. And then I'll come next Sunday and I'll appease God again. But I want to tell you, God does not need your presence in church. It is not a duty. It is not out of legalism that we come. It is out of worship. And so there's this whole mindset that has to change from the belief that God needs me to change to the reality that I am, in fact, the one who needs God. Listen, if you think that, if you think that you're just, I mean, God just needs you to be sitting in that spot. You say, well, Case, you're trying to run people off? Not at all. I think this place ought to be as full tonight as it was this morning. I, I, I think it ought to be. But it ought to be that we come in response to how good God is. That we come in response because we say, God, I love you so much. I want to worship. Even if the guy on the guitar cannot hold a rhythm, I still want to worship because, God, you are that good. God, I want to come into your house, and I want to read from your word because I love it so much, and I love you, God, and I want to just pour into you more and more and more. And so we come not out of duty, not because we think that God needs us, but we come because I just have to. I love God so much. I need more of him. So the point is God does not need you. Everything belongs to him. I love the way he says it in verse 9. I will not accept a bull. And look what he says, from your house. I will not accept your bull or a goat. From your fold, because listen to verse 10, because every beast in the forest, it's mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, you can't even imagine it. All the cattle in the world, they are mine. I know all the birds on the hills and all that moves in the field, and it's mine. You think you're doing some big favor because you're bringing me a bull? Oh, listen, I've got all the bulls you could ever imagine. You think you can bring me some bird sacrifice and I'm going to be like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. I've got all the birds you could ever see in a lifetime. I do not need you. The point of the whole sacrifice, it was getting mixed up. And I think we can do that also with what we give to the Lord, can't we? Lord, you know, let me, let me come and let me give you this because you need it. Listen. God does not need me, and God does not need you. Okay, so we're in a building program. Watch it. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. Well, what about my talents? God does not need my talent. Listen, God could replace me so quick. God could replace you so quick. Anything we've got is from God. It's a gift that we are using for his kingdom. And so the point of being a steward is this. It is that, God, you have allowed me a few of the cattle, all the cattle. You've allowed me to be a steward of a few of them for a little while. And so let me honor you through this. 
The, the point of my wallet and your wallet is to say, God, you have blessed me with this job. You blessed me with this money that I can be in control of and I can be a steward of. But I realized from the very beginning, it's not my money, it's your money. And so would you direct me on what to do with it? God, you've given me these gifts. They're not my gifts. And so let me use my gifts for your kingdom because you're the one that blessed me with them. It's a total different mindset on life to realize that it's from God given to me so that I can use for him and for his kingdom. And so God does not need us. How arrogant and prideful to think that the God of the universe needs me or he needs you because he doesn't. And then we see this. We see that in the relationship, we are primarily a receiver. Verse 14, it says this, offer to God a sacrifice. We're talking about sacrifices earlier, the, the bulls and the birds. Offer a sacrifice of what? Of thanksgiving. And perform your vows to the Most High. The sacrifice that I'm wanting is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You, you know what that means? It means that you realize that God is the one who's the God of action. God is the one working. And so when we sacrifice, we are sacrificing in thanksgiving for what God has done. It's not because God needs me, but it is because, God, you have done so much for me already. Here is my sacrifice. God, you have blessed me in so many ways. I never dreamed I would be blessed like this. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You look at your life and you see blessings and you say, I, I just never dreamed that I would have this, this wife or these children or these friends or this church family or this job or whatever it is. You say, God, it's only from you. Thank you. God, you saved my soul that was damned to hell. God, thank you. Now let me respond with a gift of thanksgiving i am a recipient it's not that god needs me but i respond as a recipient and the last thing look at verse 15 great verse to end nine god is glorified by delivering us and call upon me in the day of trouble and i will deliver you and you shall glorify me i don't know about you but when folks call me in trouble sometimes there's like a dread to that you know when somebody calls say hey i, I need your help Man, I want to help, but I was just about to eat supper. You know, there's that, that dread, like, oh, I was about to do something. Let me help you. But here's what the Bible says. He says, come to me when you've got a problem. Come to me when you've got this difficulty. Come to me when you've got stuff going in life, and it is just really, really tough. And what am I going to do? I'm going to deliver you. And not only am I going to deliver you, I want to deliver you. My desire is to deliver you because when I deliver you, I'm going to be glorified. And I go back to the picture of uh, the Exodus. The Israelites, they didn't do anything. Moses didn't do anything. All the, the plagues, that was all from God. And they are delivered, and God chose to deliver them. And then God was glorified through it. So I want to ask you to just close your eyes, bow your head. And I want you to just think about how this applies to you and to your life this evening. It may be that you look and you, you see that 